Evening, church. It is so good to be back here with you um, during my two weeks of my holiday. I really, really miss this family and, and the aesthetic people that I see here. Um, so when I see you guys, I, I, it just brings a smile to, to me, and, and I just love spending time with you. And so today I want to title my talk, The Power of Presence. The Power of Presence. Now, before I start... Let me ask you a question. Who here is scared of the dark or is still scared of dark or was scared of the dark? Anybody scared of the dark? Okay. Well, it seems to be a lot of you. Turn off the lights. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Some of us just prefer the lights rather than the darkness. You know, some of you may be saying, you know, I ain't afraid of the dark. I just prefer the light. I just prefer daytime. Now, I remember when I was younger, I was petrified of the dark. I remember one time I went over to my neighbor's house asking for some help in my homework. Did we do my homework? No, we just played games. And before I knew it, the sun has said it. It is dark. And I was scared of the dark. And I was trying to find an excuse if I could sleep over because I was scared of the dark. And I was saying to my friend, oh, oh, geez, it's, uh, the sun's down. It's really dark. Can I sleep over? No, Dexter, you live next door. Go home. <laughs> Go home, Dexter. And, and I'm just trying to store for time. And I just tr- try to keep the conversation going. And then I was almost pleading and begging and crying. Oh, you, you know you want to take me over back home. You, you want to walk me, don't you? Go home, Dexter. It's next door. It is 20 meters that way. And they kicked me out. Legit. They kicked me out. And I don't know, something about... The darkness and, and something about when you're young. Because when you're young, you let, the, you let your imagination get the best of you. Because, because when I was a kid, I thought there was monsters and aliens. There was creatures and there were beasts and mutants just waiting to eat me. Why? Because I'm delicious. <laughs> I was scared. I don't know why. I just thought there was... Thugs just waiting behind those wheelie bins, just waiting there to kidnap me. Yes, they were lying in wait for hours just to kidnap me. I don't know why, but that's what I thought. And the moment I stepped out my neighbor's house, I ran and I got to my front door and I was slamming the door. Mom, mom, open the door. And I was crying because I was that afraid of the dark. But isn't it funny because, and isn't it amazing that? Even in an environment where we're scared, just to have someone with you, like in the dark, if you just know there's a human being who you're familiar with, who you're friendly with, wouldn't that fear decrease dramatically? Isn't that true? Now, I have a little brother who's he's always been twice my size, and I remember he was also scared of the dark. But when we're in the dark together, I put on an act. Ah! And he's like, ah! I'm like, oh, you're scared of something. (laughs) And he would say, oh, you're the bravest big brother ever. But it was all an act. And I used to, you know, just travel with him in the dark. And I used to take a fee, like a protection fee. I'll protect you from the dark. And so I got his pocket money. I got him to do chores for me. I made him into my slave for weeks. So I would protect him from the dark. But... I was afraid of the dark, but isn't it amazing that when you know there is someone with you, fear decreases quite substantially. 
Now that's the power of presence. That's, that's what I want to talk about tonight. But before we do so, before we get into the passage, before we do anything further, would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit. We pray that you give us fresh ears to hear, fresh eyes just to see. And Lord, we, we pray for new revelation here tonight for some of us. Lord, for some of us, may it just click. For some of us, may we take that courage and boldness into in stepping out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn to me to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. This is a very, very well-known Bible passage. It's also known as the Great Commission. Now, a lot of people know this passage, but what I hope for you tonight is, and in, in, it was in my prayer, that we'll see something new. In the Great Commission, three verses, 18 to 20, I, for me, my, my observation, I see three things in the Great Commission. I see the claim, I see the instruction, and I see the promise. Now, this Great Commission, this, this last command, it was one of the last things that Jesus said to his disciples. Yes, it may be his last commands to his disciples, but this must remain the first priority of our church. We've been going through a season of evangelism, of, of the ministry of reconciliation, how we are supposed to be the messengers, the heralds of Jesus Christ into the world. Oikos Church, don't ever lose sight of who we are and what we are to do. So the context of this passage, if you know your Bibles well, that the death Burial and the resurrection of Jesus has already all happened. And Jesus has rose again from the dead. And here is a scene where Jesus has a re reunion with his crew. Where the disciples first was, didn't believe. And then here he is. He is walking towards them. The 11 of them. Judas is already out of the picture at this point. And Jesus, the risen Christ, is walking towards them. And the Bible says, that they fell down and worshipped, but yet at the same time, some of them doubted. This was, it all happened on some unidentified hillside. And Jesus approached to those who, yes, was worshipping, but at the same time, still having a heart of doubt. Now, for some of us, yes, we worship Jesus, but I wonder if there's any of us here in this room who still harbors you know, some, some doubt. Now, this, gives, this passage here gives me hope because still, you know what Jesus did? He still approached those who doubted him. And Jesus still approached those who doubted him and he handed to them one of the greatest mission of this world. Now, if it was up to me, I wouldn't have done that because... Man, I wouldn't trust those who didn't trust me. Like, why would I entrust anything to them? You, you kind of get my gist, but here, Jesus still uses those who doubt him. And the good news is, Jesus is still the same today. He still hands this mission to you and I, ordinary, mundane, weak, doubtful people. And I hope today that there'd be something that stirs within your soul, that there's this faith that rises up to make you take a step of faith. And this is what Jesus says as he approaches them. Verse 18. 
This is what he says. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So the first part of the Great Commission is the claim. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this is a statement. This is a claim. And verses 19 and 20 rest on this claim. All authority. In other words, Jesus is saying all power. You know, power, what power is, it's power is to get things done. And he says, all authority. And you know what authority is? It's jurisdiction. It's freedom of action. It's legal rights. He has all access to use that power. Therefore, nothing can buy him. Nothing can obstruct him. Nothing can stop him. This is what he's claiming. And let me try in my best humanly words to help you try to understand the scope of his authority. Now, in the sporting world, a great athlete has the ability to move the ball across the court or across the field. Now, the referee has the authority to restrict, penalize, to stop the game, or even disqualify the athlete's power. Even though the athlete may have millions of fans, even though the athlete may have a great physique, even though the athlete may have a great contract that's worth millions of dollars, and you know what the referee has? The referee only has a whistle. And still yet the authority of the referee outtrumps, outdo the ability of the athlete. But what Jesus is claiming here is he's claiming authority of the whole universe. Except there's no protest, there's no instant replay, there's no commissioner's ruling to overrule the authority of Jesus. Jesus says all authority in every domain belongs to me. Now, how did Jesus make this claim true? If you read the previous chapters, Jesus, what happened to him is he lived, he got betrayed, he got arrested, trialed, accused, abused, beaten, crucified, died and buried. But then God raised him from the dead. And the resurrected Jesus says, and was able thus to say this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is the claim. And because Jesus claims this all power or authority, that's why we have to obey it. Because he is now the rule maker and he is now the commander and the commander has given out the marching orders. He's claimed, you know, the title as king and he gives us his people, his army, the marching orders he then says, therefore, go. Now, the second part of the Great Commission is the instructions. And here's our singular goal. Our single aim is to make disciples. Disciples who will follow him, who copy him, who mimics him, and make others do the same. In other words, disciple who makes disciples, who make disciples, etc., etc., etc. The great assignment for the church is to call the lost to repentance, to turn away from their sins and to run to the cross and to not rely on their own righteousness, but his righteousness. Because if they rely on their own righteousness, it is just as rags. All their works, deeds and merits means nothing. They need to rely on his blood for the salvation of their very souls. But at the same time, pass it on to others, not to keep it for themselves, but to spread it. That is the instruction. Therefore, in verse 19, he says, he starts off with saying, go, go. 
Because if we don't go, how would they hear? And if they don't hear, how would they come? This command is not a ministry elective. It is not optional. This is a command of lifestyle. Go. Where? Where to? Go to the people as close as in your homes and as far as the people to the ends of the earth. Go, go to all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have commanded you. So I talked about the claim, and I talked about the instructions. But the instructions, if you realize it, it is impossible. Have you realized? Because Jesus gave these disciples, these ordinary mundane, mundane disciples, an impossible mission because why? These disciples had no really financial backers. Jesus didn't give them like a whole bunch of money and a funding and a budget. Jesus didn't give them a step-by-step plan, a formula. All that Jesus gave was, was himself. But when Jesus gives himself, it is sufficient for their mission. And this comes to the promise. Jesus gave the claim, the instruction, and he gives the promise. Because the instructions is impossible without the last part of the Great Commission, which is the promise. And, and if church, if you let these last few words of Jesus ring true in your life, it will change the way you live. You will be so transformed, you would not be timid, and you would actually go out and share the gospel if you let it ring true. The promise. What is the promise? It's the promise of presence. It's the promise of himself. Now, I already gave you an example at, at the beginning. That when you're in the dark, if you just have someone with you, the fear decreases dramatically. Now, that was just my brother. But imagine if you just didn't have your brother, but you had the Lord God Almighty, the Alpha and the Omega, the controller of the universe with you. I think this is the reason why the psalmist can say, though I walk through the shadow of valley and death, I shall fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. No wonder why David wasn't scared. No wonder why David could make it through. I don't know how your lives are. I need to really catch up with a lot of you. I don't know if you're facing suffering, trials and tribulations and you're walking in the dark and you feel alone or you're just even afraid of going out evangelism. But this is what Jesus promises. He says in verse 20, And surely I will be with you to the very end of age. I will be with you. I love camps. I remember when I was 14, I went to a camp with this friend, a good friend from Brisbane named Anthony. And me and Anthony was given a task to wake up our leader for devotion. Now we love our leader. She was really nice. Everyone loved her. If you're on a good side, if you're on a bad side, oh, you run for your life. Because she was also known for her ferociousness and her fierceness. She, is, she doesn't wake up with bad breath. She wakes up with dragon breath. She roars when she wakes up. 
And so when me and Anthony got the short straw of waking up our leader, we dreaded it so much. This was like a death sentence to us. And I remember that very fateful morning, we got up to our leader's cabin door. And we were whispering to each other because we were scared to just wake her up by accident. And we were saying, all right, Anthony, you knock. No, Vindo, you knock. No, you knock. You knock. Okay, scissors, paper, rock. First to three. First to five. Okay, we both knock. And the moment we... We just heard this... Like... I kid you not, my heart stopped. I kid you not, the moment we heard that war, I, I turned around and I bolted like Usain Bolt. I never ran so fast in my life. And as I was running, as I turned around, Anthony was not with me. And as I looked down, he was on the ground. And he raises up his hand and he cries, Vindo, go without me. Save yourself. What did I do? I thought I'd keep, keep on running, but I, I turned back. And it was like in those Hollywood movie scenes where the war scenes, where there's bullets flying across, where there's bombs exploding. And, and I put Anthony upon my shoulder. Not today. We will live together. Not today. And I carried him away because he sprained his ankle. That's how scary she was. And afterward, Anthony just thanked me so much. Oh, I thought it was Gonski. Thanks so much for saving me, man. You know, if I was alone, oh, it would have been so bad. You know, just hearing that story, if you're not my friend yet, you should become my friend because I'm a pretty good friend. I'll come back for you. Maybe. <laughs> you see, this is the power of presence. There is comfort in knowing that someone is there with you just in case you thought someone is there to pick you up. Now, if I had to go alone to that lead, I would have been so miserable. I would have been so sad. I would have just ran away from the task. But I wasn't alone. Now, that was just an earthly friend. But imagine when the Lord Almighty Jesus promises, I am with you. How much comfort would that bring? How much encouragement would that bring? How much strength would that bring? And elsewhere in the Bible, he also says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You know, with the story with me and Anthony, yes, I had thoughts and doubts. I'm like, oh, I should leave him. But to Jesus, that would have never crossed his mind. When Jesus promises something, it is pretty much a guarantee. It is 100%. It will be fulfilled because... To when time has started, Jesus has not broken a promise. A promise from God will be fulfilled. And he says, I will be with you. Church, we know that we are going through a season of talking about the ministry of reconciliation, of, of evangelism, and, and about sharing the gospel. You know, my prayers, I really hope that these messages will stir something. And that you will actually go. That you go. Not looking at yourself because, oh, look, I'm so brave. I can do this. No, no. You go because you know who's going with you. Or better yet, who you're going with. Because Jesus, that was Jesus' main mission already. 
and we, his people, are just tagging along for the ride, and he's doing all the heavy lifting. I remember when I was at Bible college, I would reserve every Monday just to go to the city, just to do evangelism, just to, to talk to random people. And, and I have so many stories, but I'll, but I'll pick one for you. That very night at the city, I saw some people handing out gospel tracts, and it was the Ten Commandments gospel tracts. What I saw was that people took these gospel tracts, they had a look at it, oh, Ten Commandments, and then they throw it on the ground. And a lot of people threw their gospel tract on the ground, and me, I started picking them up because my Asian side was so stingy. I'm like, oh, I could use those. And I was just picking up, oh, look, free tracks for me to use. This is awesome. And I just went around picking up the whole time. And then it was time to go home because it was getting quite late and getting quite dark. And there's weird people on the train, as you guys know. So I headed in, into the train and got into the train. I was sitting at the very end. So the diagram looks something like this. All right, so that's me. But there was these two guys who were just off their heads. They, I think they were drunk. I think they were high. I, I don't know. But the, every second or two seconds, they would yell out the F word. They would just swear at the top of the line, like F, A to Z. I don't know what, what type of swear words there are, but they just kept swearing and kept swearing. And at one point, one guy just pulls his pants down and just pees in the carriage. And at this point, everyone else started shifting over. And I was sitting in my seat and, and God was stirring something within me. And he's saying, Dexter, you picked up a lot of track. Go. I'm like, go, go where? <laughs> I'll go home. <laughs> go to them. Why? They need me to. It was so audible that I just, I don't know what took control of me. I just stood up and I started walking their way while everyone made their way back there. So it ended up like this. <laughs> now, as I crossed people, they were giving me looks of concern. I'm like, are you right, kid? Why are you walking that direction when everyone's going, th go this way? Like, like everyone was so concerned for me. And I would get to them and they were swearing at my face and like some saliva and spit on me and I could smell their pee. It was horrible. And... <laughs> said, I said, hey guys, how's it going? And I asked them, what have you been doing all night? And they're like, getting drunk, woo, getting high. Woo. And then a lot of swear words. There were so many swear words. It was like beep, 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 beep. It was like the sound of traffic of Vietnam. <laughs> and so I was just listening to them rant on for a while. And then they asked me, so what were you doing? And I said, oh, I was in the city. Doing what? Oh, I was picking up these little comic books. Here, here's one. You can have it. And the moment one of the guys took the comic book, he said to his mate, oh, Ten Commandments. And what happened next is I couldn't believe my ears and I couldn't believe my eyes. And I would never forget this experience. Is that these two started breaking into a rap a freestyle rap, and they rapped out the whole comic from the first commandment to the 10th commandment, like, do not murder, F, <laughs> with all the colorful words. They, these guys were geniuses, and they rapped out so loud for the whole carriage to hear. I was, oh, 
And we, we talked some more and, and I know the whole carriage got to hear the gospel that night because these two wrapped it in a colorful way. So we got to our stop. It was the station for me to get home. I get off and there was another two people that approached me and they were smiling and I was surprised because they looked like emos and I didn't know emos could smile. <laughs> and they were smiling and they came to me and it's like, dude, what you did there was crazy. You cray cray. How could you be so brave? And we, we started talking as well. And, and I started talking about the content of what they wrapped. And I actually left them, hey, you know, do you know what they wrapped in that train? Actually, this, this is the, the content where they got it from. And I gave them the gospel tract as well. You see, during this whole experience, I was just like, God, this is crazy. Jesus, this is crazy. But was he there for me? Yes, he was there. You see, church, this is the power of presence. Jesus gave us the Great Commission, but you see, He doesn't just leave us there to do it alone. No, the whole time that you would be evangelizing, He's with you. As you step out in faith, you'll realize, actually, you're actually stepping out with Him. You're walking with Him. He is the one that is empowering you. He is the one that's giving you the courage. He is the one, the Bible promises that the Spirit will give you the words to say, Jesus, God will be there for you. For he does not say, I might be with you. No, he says, I am with you till the very end. He promises his personal, perpetual presence. This is our assurance. This is our guarantee. This is our source of strength. This is our confidence. We go forth with not only sovereignty, on our side, we also go forth with our sovereign by our side. If God is for you, who can stand against you? Church, why are we still hiding and timid and in fear? He promises to be with the power of God's presence. That should bring you hope. That should bring you comfort. And if you grasp that promise, it's not just with you in your evangelism. This is every aspect of your life. And you know that this is our last service in this building here. And I love this building. I love this neighborhood. I'm going to miss it. And I don't know how the move is going to be. But I know one thing. As we move, Christ is still with us. You believe that, Oikos Church? God bless you.